Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Mike Mayashiro, and this is Confessions of a Reformer. I've got a special guest today that I'm going to introduce to you shortly, but before I do that, I want to tell you something fun going on. So we're still in a quarantine, I think. I'm pretty sure that's true. And I was, you know, you see all these hilarious memes on social media, and I came across one that was about the, the murder hornets, right? And it basically showed a picture of the murder hornets, and it said, um, wait, so whatever happened to the murder hornets? Like, why did these get introduced? And then someone else commented underneath, yeah, this season of Earth is totally unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed funny. super hard and had to share it because I thought that was hilarious. Like, 2020 has been a joke. I mean, if yeah. you think about our lives, like, this is the most, like, a TV show has ever <laughs> felt. And this episode, or this season, is ridiculous. You're like, okay, the writers have just given up. They're just making stuff up. They're losing their creativity, just trying to use a bunch of, like, hype and drama to just gain viewership, maybe, or whatever. But it's just, it's getting kind of overplayed with, uh, you know, this quarantine, these killer hornets, this these, you know, Black Lives Matter protest rioting stuff, Trump being our president. Like, this whole thing is just, this Crazy. is, like, if you, if you checked into this year, 20 years, 10 years ago, you'd be like, what? <laughs> no? Like, it's from a movie, right? You know, it's, it's crazy. So I'm excited to see how, you know, we're going to look back on this time and, you know, we're going to tell our kids, like, yeah, I was alive <laughs> during 2020. During this pandemic. That happened. I remember. I remember I was here when I found out that Donald Trump was president. I was here when I found out that these bees were coming to kill everyone. I was here when, you know, we all thought we were... Anyway, it's been crazy. So it, legitimately, it does feel like this thing is written by someone just trying to stir up drama. It just feels ridiculous. Anyway, that's um, neither here nor there. <laughs> I have a, a guest today, you guys. And like every guest, I want to throw this giant disclaimer out there. I want her to be able to share whatever she wants. So she gets to say, oh. she gets to represent herself and give her opinion and whatever. And I may or may not agree with what she says, and that's totally fine. And I'm not here to endorse her message. I'm here to give her a space to share what she thinks. Although this interview is a little different because like, you know, Danielle and I are close friends and we're going to be talking about a specific experience we both had. So, like, there's a little bit of, we've already kind of leveled out on this, on something we're going to discuss today. But anyway, we want to talk about the subject of, I don't know if race is the right word, but race, you know, still on that topic. Um, and I know some of you might be, might be tired. You're like, oh, God, another conversation. But listen, this one's a little interesting and different. And there's a lot of personal flair in this. But anyway, I want this person to be able to share her opinions and perspectives without having to try and cater to my audience. I don't want you guys to do the work of eating the meat, spitting out the bones, sorting through what you love and hate, what you're offended by, what you're inspired by, any of the things. I'm going to let you guys work that out yourselves. And the goal is for us to just have an authentic conversation. So would you guys please welcome to the podcast, Miss, oh my gosh, <laughs> Daniela <laughs> yeah. Page. Yes. Um, Thanks, Mike. Yeah, totally welcome. Daniela, why don't you first of all introduce yourself by telling them how did you and I meet? 
to tell them that story. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, so I um, was I did BSSM all three years. My second year, I was originally supposed to be in going to an Afghanistan mission trip, which I was really excited about because the last thing that I wanted was to get assigned to a Mexico trip. Why? What's wrong with going to Mexico? Because I'm from Mexico. <laughs> Meaning you're Mexican? I'm Mexican, yes. Mm. Um, and I have just been on multiple mission trips to Mexico, so I was like, not another one. But my visa didn't get in on time. And so our person, Julie Mustard, was like, I'm taking you to Mexico. You're going to be put on the Mexican trip. And I was like, no, anything, literally anything but Mexico. I didn't want to go back to Mexico. Um, and so she put me on Mike's mission trip. I was the mission trip leader to Guadalajara. Yes. <laughs> and thank the Lord, because I then interned for Mike. But, yep, our conversation was very interesting with how I kind of got introduced to Mike. But, yeah, I was put on his mission trip and on the bus ride to Guadalajara. I well, was, to the airport, right? Oh, yeah, to the airport, to San Francisco airport, yeah. Um, I, Mike sat down next to me because I was the new kid, you know. Everyone had already, like, We connected, met a bunch already, yeah. Had had, like, family nights or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was just this rando girl that joined Literally jumped team. on the team, like, two days before we yeah. left. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, and he sits down next to me, and he's like, Daniela, tell me, like, who are you? What do you want to do with your life? And so I give him a whole spiel about who I am and what I want to do with my life, and... What did you say, Mike? Oh, God. Well, I think you should tell this part, and then I'm going to just come in and clean it up. because okay. <laughs> I know it's going to come out terrible out of context, but you tell them your experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically, at this point in my life, I wanted to become an evangelist, which now, <laughs> if you know me, I'm like, I don't necessarily know if that's my dream. And a missionary. I think I wanted to be an evangelist mm-hmm. and missionary. And so I was telling Mike this whole, my whole life story and why I want to be an evangelist. And I even, you know, felt the emotion and I was very connected to the story. And he's just like staring at me and looks at me and he's like, yeah, I don't believe you. You said that. And I was like, what do you mean you don't believe me? You don't, like, what do you mean? And Mike was like, like, you don't know me. He was like, you don't know me. You don't know where my story, you don't know where I'm cut, where I came from. Like, how could you say that? He was like, yeah, just whatever you're saying isn't true. It's not hitting my heart. I was like, what? Just so offended. And then you said this the other day. Apparently, I was like, what else you got? (laughs) Yeah. What else you got? What else can you throw at me? And I'm like, well, that's it. That's all I, that's what I know. (laughs) And so. And she, you guys, she genuinely. This was the first day, you guys. She got upset. She was was, not happy. Yeah, I was angry. She was offended and like disgusted and put out. (laughs) And I was like, oh, we How old was I? I was 20. You were like 21? 22. 22. 22. Yeah. She was, yeah. I was like, oh, she's feisty. Interesting. But, and the thing is, I wasn't trying to razz her. I wasn't trying to make her life miserable or like fight. I just genuinely, and it wasn't like, oh yeah, this is what you're saying doesn't matter. It was like, what you're saying, you're not connected to, mm-hmm. was what I was saying to her, right? And that's how I communicated that. But, and I stand by what I said. And I was genuine, you know, like, and I, it wasn't the first time I'd experienced something like that with people. And I wasn't trying to be controversial or messy, but I did want to understand this person. And because here's the thing, the backstory here too, beyond this, was she was also starting to date one of my good friends who right. we lived together, you know what I mean? So there was a little bit of like backstory drama there too. And he had been talking to me about this girl for a couple months. So I was like, oh, this is the girl, right? So I was like, I'm going to get to know her a little bit. Anyway, so yeah, that was our introduction. I didn't mean to be super intense, but I mean, she was intense. She was coming at me all like, 
starry-eyed and quote-unquote passionate and like she sounded so amazing she's this amazing revivalist christian girl with these big <laughs> ministry dreams i'm like yeah that's all cute i've heard that before i don't believe you right not because it wasn't true <laughs> for people it, it, like just, that. <laughs> it just wasn't true for her i'm like this is a real anyway arrogant i get it um but toward the end of the trip i think the attitude changed right totally. can you give us like a little bit of a, a an end cap to that trip yeah yeah, so I think it was the last day of um, the mission, our mission trip. Mike was speaking at a church, and he was talking about how, you know, the Lord's dream is us. And I remember hearing that message for the first time, and I was like, man, holy crap. Like, I actually don't know if I know that yet. And it hit something in me where it just felt like truth. I, I think even in, on, like, the bus ride when he was saying that, I think it offended me so much because I, I felt something hit my heart. And so finally, the last day, I was able to kind of like give that up a little bit mm-hmm. and just be like, man, I don't I don't know if I know Jesus the way Mike knows Jesus. And mm-hmm. I remember just sobbing. Remember? Yeah, I was I just like remember. sobbing, like looking at Mike, like, what the heck? Who is this person? Listen, while I was preaching, I could see Daniela in the audience, like in the, <laughs> in the congregation, like sitting next to some of the team members. And she just had tears streaming down her face. And if I like met her eyes, she would just shake her head, just like peering into my soul, sobbing. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really intense. And I'd look away and try to move on. And every once in a while I'd see her, I'm like, oh gosh, she's still crying. And then at the end we had a fire tunnel and we had people coming through and they were getting blasted and all this stuff. And she was like four or five people down the fire tunnel from me and I'm having a good time. And I look over her and she still has tears streaming down her face and she's just locking eyes with me. And I'm like, oh my God, this girl, what is happening? What is going on? And she'd just like shake her head, just like in disbelief. Like she doesn't know what's happening to her. And it was Super intense. I remember being like, yeah. dang, I don't know what's going on with her, but this is intense, and she won't stop staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so anyway, Daniela ended up interning for me that next year, and so in NUMA, we talk about season one, season two, season three, season four, season five. We're in season six now. We call them seasons because, you know, new people come in and Our are the new... is like friends. <laughs> the new wave of interns, <laughs> and we just needed a way to distinguish who was in what year and how when did they enter the NUMA story, right? So we just started calling them affectionately seasons because it did feel like we were on a reality TV show and just like the drama, you know, like, man, if someone followed us around with cameras, (laughs) this would be killer entertainment. This is crazy. The things we talk about and what happens. And anyway, so Daniela is an OG. She was in season one. She's the only member of my team who was part of season one. So like, that's kind of a special, you know, place of honor, seat of honor in this team. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, fast forward. um, We're going to skip a bunch of years. Yeah, do it. We were going to the beach a week ago tomorrow, mm-hmm. as of the recording of this podcast. We were going to the beach with a bunch of friends, or eight of us, in two different cars, right? Because one of our friends was moving back to Canada. I mentioned this at our last episode oh, with Becca. Um, so Carly was going to Canada, and so we all went to the beach at, per her request to just hang out and celebrate and just send her off again. She's done this a bunch of times. <laughs> Every year. We're kind of over it, Carly. Anyway, so I was in a car with Daniela and her husband, Micah and my roommate Marcus, and then Annabelle was driving us, right? And so Daniela was in the back, I was in the front. And we're all just chatting and laughing and whatever for about an, for 45 minutes to an hour-ish, right? And then at one point, we start talking about this person that Daniela and I both know who's Mexican. Her name is Alejandra. Mm-hmm. And then um, she goes by Ale. And so we were talking about her, and I said Ale, and then Daniela's like, oh, she corrected me, and you, and you said what? Ale. That, like, that's how you're supposed to say her name, right? And you guys, we're going to do some reenactment for you because you need to experience the drama of what was about to happen. Drama. So I was like, oh, am I not saying her name right? And so I, like, turned to face Daniela, like, you know, turned around in my seat to look in the back seat. And I was like, okay, I want to try and get this right. I didn't say this out loud, but I was like, I want to try and get this. So I, I was like, Ale. And then Daniela was like, Ale. And I was like, Ale. 
And then she goes, it's not Ali. And like <laughs> bulged her eyes out and made her no voice all nasally. And I just felt stabbed by her, you know, Ali. in an instant. Um, and I had my feelings hurt and I felt embarrassed and like mocked and betrayed, I think. And so I just kind of pulled away from the moment. Um, I was just shocked because I was in like a vulnerable position, right? And I was trying to learn how to fix this. And the person who was qualified to like, the only person in the car qualified to help me do this right, just like slapped me basically, right? Emotionally, and just like punished me or whatever. And I was like, oh. And so I pulled away from the moment and like just didn't want to participate anymore. I wasn't throwing a fit. I just was like hurt. I was like, oh God, how do I recover from this? Like what yeah. just happened? And I didn't understand it all right away. It was all emotional at first, right? So I pulled away and I think Danielle could kind of tell. Um, it wasn't huge. It wasn't a big deal. And I still like was able to participate in conversation, but I just wasn't the same. Like mm. my energy dropped, my spirit totally. closed and I pulled in. And the atmosphere of the car shifted like virtually immediately. Like it just all of a sudden got like heavy in the car or quiet. And I think every once in a while someone tried to break the ice or get past yeah. it and we just, and I couldn't, I mean, I would respond to questions people ask me, but we couldn't get past it, right? And this has been, I'm just, while we're here, I'm just sure. going to throw this little disclaimer in there. This has been notorious in my life. If I ever got hurt in a group mm -hmm. of people and then like pulled my spirit back, any group of people I've ever been in, they all, always we were inhi like inhibited by that. Mm -hmm. Like they all got stuck and we couldn't move forward if I yeah. retracted my spirit. And I, as I've looked at that over the last several years, I've always tried to figure out like, why is that? Like, is it because I'm influential? Is there an anointing on my life? Am I a control freak and everyone's just used to doing what I want? Like, where is this coming from? Why totally. is this a common occurrence, right? <clears throat> and thankfully, like me pulling back like that is a lot more infrequent. So this experience yeah. this last weekend was like, Kind of out of the blue, like, whoa, I Did forgot what this was like. Did it feel shocking because of our relationship? Yeah, well, I think it was shocking for multiple reasons. And one of them was because you and I are close and we both right. love and respect each other. And so for you to do that in that moment right. felt so shocking. And I just, I'm not used to you treating me like that. So totally. I was like, I think that was shocking. And then also just the position I was in of being vulnerable. Mm. I was just genuinely trying to like correct. Because yeah. I think that I feel, I take pride in my ability to like linguistically adapt to other cultures and the way they pronounce things. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of people in other cultures like praise me for my ability to, you know, successfully re repeat after them, even though sure. I don't know what they're saying. And then even in Spanish, that was true. But I think it's been so long that I'm just like out of practice. And anyway, so I just wasn't expecting that. So I think it was a combination of that stuff. But anyway, there was an extra thing to this. So I processed through this by myself for a while. I'm like, okay, she wasn't trying to hurt me. Danielle doesn't hate me. She's not mad at me. That was not a big deal. Like, I'm personally, this? I think I'm fine, right? I, relationally, I don't need to be mad at her, but so why does this feel so heavy? Why am I still limping from that? And then I couldn't get past that. And so as I kept thinking about the, the situation, the moment, and feeling even like feeling stupider, because it wasn't a big yeah. deal. It was this random little moment. I'm like, dude, Mike, why? And I've been this way my whole life. Yeah. Like I've always judged myself for being overly sensitive because of moments like this. Um, but I've never felt like my response to those things was inappropriate or over-dramatized, I always felt like my experience was legitimate. I just didn't always know how to explain it or why. So I was like, okay, more in, in a more mature state, I'm like, I think I can socially explain this away. It's not a big deal. But in my heart, something is still wrong. I don't know what it is. Um, and so as I kept like assessing the situation and playing it over in my head, I got to this place where I was like, I think what I experienced from Daniela was uh, there was a fence here. I, I mean, I don't know if that's right, but there's something about this where she was like offended and it has something to do with people speaking Sp like Americans or non-Mexicans speaking Spanish or so the Spanish language. I don't know. It's something like that. It has to do with her Mexican heritage or racials. I'm not sure what it is. It's something around there though. I think I got struck by something that has nothing to do with me, but it was harsh and it was mm. offended and hot and angry or something. 
And so I was like, I think that's true. So I wanted to address that, but I didn't want to expose Danielle in the middle of the car. I didn't totally. want to try and process through that with a bunch of people who had nothing to do with it. I didn't know if she would feel safe enough to even want to sincerely respond. So like maybe we wouldn't even get any work done or, you know. So I just kind of held it in. And every... Oh, gosh. Throughout the drive, and we had another hour in this trip, right? <laughs> it was a whole hour. It was a whole, you guys, literally, we sat yeah. in the car in this awkward, strained atmosphere for over an hour. And, and the worst part was that we didn't have connection for music either, so we couldn't drown it out. Right, we couldn't play music because yeah. the Bluetooth, whatever. Anyway, yeah, so, and at one point, a few, like, each person in the car at some point tried to pull me back, mm -hmm. and I had to be like, yeah, I'm, like, working through some stuff. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I'm... I don't know, I'm just like about some emotions I'm trying to sort out. I would, that's, that was my response, which is honest. I just, they wanted to help me out. And we have a culture in our, on, you know, in our team and in our friendship group and all that, that, you know, we don't just like leave people hanging like behind. We like address those things. We talk okay. through it. But I just, the situation, I couldn't find myself just addressing this without Daniela being in an awkward position and not getting mm. defensive or feeling embarrassed or whatever. So I was like, mm. crap, I... I think it needs to be a one-on-one -on -one conversation and we're, I'm stuck here. And I just, you know, and the other car, we couldn't find them. Like they just, they had gone ahead of us like <laughs> 10 minutes. So we were just like, anyway. Yeah. So fast forward, we get to our stop. We use the bathroom. We order some lunch and I'm like, Hey, Daniela, can we talk? So we went to the side and had a chat and I was like, I, we remember this moment differently. So I'm going to tell you my version of this. Yeah. Or did you concede and say that this was true? I no, think I, I like led the, oh, okay. Yeah. So I led the conversation with Daniela. Do you feel like, do you have any offense when it comes to people speaking Spanish or like maybe Americans relating to Mexicans or anything like this, do you think there's any kind of offense there? Mm. And she was like, do you want to? Yeah, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I literally said it, I was like, yeah. no. Yeah, she just like thought through for a second. I was like, no, I was like, okay. And then I explained to her my experience, you know, just like what happened, the moment, how it yeah. hit me, like whatever. And she's like, oh yeah, I saw that. I'm like, yeah, and it felt like this and whatever. And and then her response was like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. That's definitely not what I was going for. I didn't yeah. feel that way. I didn't mean that, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I tried explaining a little further, like more of what it was like. And she's like, I'm, I mean, I was like, could you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. can you, can you like see where I'm coming from? She's like, I mean, I think I get it. I think I see what you mean. Like I can consider what you're saying. I just, yeah. I don't think. I it don't wasn't think hitting me. Though. Yeah. It's just like, there's nothing connecting. Right. Um, yeah. and I wasn't trying to get her to understand this. I was trying to find like, can she see where I'm at? And then she's trying to like figure out, can I understand what he's saying? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and we both know that, so we're not like trying to coerce each other. We're just trying to like connect and figure out what's going on. Totally. So anyway, at some point I was like, you know what? It's possible this is just me. Like I know in light of the last couple of weeks, cause you know, George Floyd had died a couple of weeks prior to this. And so yeah. I had done a lot of soul searching and dialogue and conversation with lots of different people about race and obviously, especially the black community, but race in general and the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. I was like, it could be that I'm just more sensitive to this because of, you know, everything I've been looking at. And while I was describing that to Daniela, yeah. <laughs> Her eyes just started flooding with tears. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, what, <laughs> what are you feeling? Yeah. And then do you want to chime in? Yeah. And then I, well, at first I couldn't really explain it. I, all of a sudden I was hit with emotion. And I was like, where the heck is this coming from? Because When I you say emotion, like what kind of emotion? Um, you I don't know. It just. I don't know. It's just my, like my body was responding. Like mm -hmm. my, my, you know, my eyes were starting to get really teary. And Mike was like, what's up? Like, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like <laughs> crying in front of him in this random field <laughs> in Oregon, was it? No, California. Yeah, Oregon, California. Yeah. yeah. And I was just, I just couldn't explain what I was feeling, but whatever he was saying, kind of, kind of like that same experience, I guess, was like, it was hitting something in my heart that I couldn't necessarily find language for, but it was hitting something deep. Mm. And I was like, 
I didn't know where it was coming from, first of all. So I was like, yeah, I don't I don't know what this is. Yeah, so just like trying to ask more questions. And, and like, then he asked again. Yeah, he asked again. <laughs> well, because like, I said more stuff, and then she just, more tears started coming. Like, what are you feeling? And Yeah. Um, at some point, things started, like, there was like a moment where things started to click, right? Yeah. Do you remember what that moment was? Yeah, I think when he, I think when he first, um, like, looked into himself and was like, well, I've been feeling like this past week. He said this past week, and the moment that he said that, something hit my heart and I was like oh man like I think I, I've actually been having like hidden thoughts and feelings about um like racism this last week as well so when he opened that up it all of a sudden gave me permission to like recognize that and I think see that as well mm. um but yeah I this last week I remember like being you know Mexican-American and um having a job I've I've learned to say my name Daniela you know that's like my name to Americans is Daniela and I remember coming to first year and people would ask me what's what's your name and I would say Daniela and then my American friends would be like "Ooh, like she's trying to be all bougie or bougie and like oh you're trying to be really diva. like diva yeah okay. those kind of things and I was like oh and so I just learned for a long time to say my name Daniela and I was like oh I hate that and I remember when Mike said that this last week I was realizing that in my job I kept saying Daniela and then I was like oh, I'm going to try saying my, my real name to people and see how they respond and stuff. So, yeah, I was experiencing those things mm -hmm. and that yeah. feeling, I think. Yeah, so I think in that moment, Danielle all of a sudden just started connecting to a bunch of thoughts and feelings yeah. that she has she has about being Mexican in America and just some of the racism that she's experienced and the lack of understanding or the prejudice, yeah. or the ignorance or whatever. And so I think in that moment in the car, it was so not a big deal, right? But I got hit with something else that I didn't want to pick up. I wasn't looking for that. I didn't want to feel that, right? Oh, yeah. But it just came out and hit me like, whoa. And I think part of the reason I have such a value for discernment and want to contend for people learning about this, mm. and I think there's self-awareness and emotional intelligence coming into play here too, obviously. Um, but being able to recognize the spirit of a thing and being able to turn and address it allows for there to be connection, reconciliation, totally. understanding, maturity, growth, whatever, that often I think just gets ignored, overlooked, because people don't realize there's something else going on and they never turn mm -hmm. to pay attention, right? And so this uh, happens to be a story where it didn't go that way. We actually took the time to, and this yeah. wasn't convenient. It was so... It was about Carly. It was inconvenient. <laughs> Carly had nothing to do with any of this. We're there to celebrate her and we're both like talking in the woods about racism, you know, like, <laughs> this is not convenient, you know? And I think that's something I want to throw in here was like, and then this is not about race, this is about discernment, like in relationships. Totally. We all often have inconvenient conversations because of our value for relationship. Yeah. Because of our value for living in the light and not allowing for deception or evil or selfishness or fear to get in the way of our connection with other people. And in John, first John, he talks about having fellowship with one another and walking in the light, right? Mm. And that all sounds like poetic and scriptural but it's actually very practical and it has to do with our heart connections with each other, mm. what we allow to empower and like support that or get in the way and disrupt it. And the enemy is interested in dividing us, separating us, right? Isolating us. The Lord is the one who's after unifying us and making us one. That's yeah. his agenda, right? So anything that gets in the way of that stuff is worth addressing. Anyway, so we processed through it, got to chat, and then um, she still has, and the tears just kept getting, like becoming yeah. more and more intense and, We've, we've resolved, like we're ready to move forward, we're good, but she's still having this fountain come up, yeah. right? And we're about to go back, we've got six other friends in a circle waiting for us, like our lunch is ready, they're all just waiting, and they can see where they're we're standing. They're waiting in the parking lot, <laughs> yeah. like what are these weirdos doing? <laughs> so we're about to head over and I'm like, 
um, do you think, do you want me to say something to everybody? Do you want me to not? Because, I mean, clearly she's yeah. going to walk up with all these tears down her face. She's like, yeah, you say something. I don't know what, I, what, did, yeah, what did you say? Yeah, I was like, yeah, you say something. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know what I what I can say. Like, yeah. I just felt so vulnerable, I think, too. And, and so exposed, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I had no idea I was feeling these things. And, and then he just, like, unlocks this thing. He's like, okay, let's go back to the field. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm naked. I need a blanket or something. <laughs> Um, yeah. So we walked back and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let everyone know what happened and what we're talking about so they can at least just catch up and, yeah. you know, we can all still be on the same page. And, and obviously these people are all used to this. We, we have a culture of, you know, valuing authenticity and, you Honesty. know, working, yeah, working totally. through stuff, even if it's inconvenient because we want the real deal. Right. So I'm just like, Hey you guys, Danielle and I had this moment. We're working through it. Chat about it. We're good. You know, she's Mexican, Spanish speaking, blah, blah, blah. This happened. You know, so we just kind of like gave him a brief overview and they're like, Oh, okay. And then Danielle was like, yeah, I want to chime in. And so, she, and I was kind of basically telling them, like, you guys, I'd, I'd like for us to be able to have these conversations where if there's someone on our team or in our friend group or whatever who feels this way, if it's a mm. racial thing or whatever, I want them to be able to express that. If there's pain or frustration, I want them to be able to represent that and for us to get to hear them. Which, obviously, that's all true, but I just wanted to bring, like, a unity and a, and a corporate awareness and acceptance that that's a value we want to practice and engage. Yeah. And I think that was already implied, but, like, I just wanted to give words to it. And so... Um, they're like, yeah, totally. And then um, Danielle's like, yeah, I want to say something. And so she chimed in. Do you want to share anything of what you said then or no? Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you remember what I said a little bit? Yeah. Colonized? you want to think, Yeah. You're like, I don't want to be dramatic, but I feel colonized. Yeah. That, yeah. So I think part of the emotions that I was feeling or some of like the hidden thoughts that I, I was feeling was like, man, ever since I came up to writing, I, I, there was this feeling of feeling like colonized a little bit. Like, um, you know, a lot of my, I guess some of like the BSSM students, you know, they would say stuff that was like being overly dramatic or over expressive or and a lot of like you know Mexican culture is like you express yourself with like words and hands flair and, your and flair drama and, yeah, yeah totally there's like expression passion totally and so and even like the way I dress too is I you know was really dolled up all the time and um, I think for for a while I was like, oh, I wonder if that's coming from a weird place. But I remember thinking like slowly, I'm like, oh, I just feel like I'm turning into like a white girl and <laughs> forgetting like where I came from. And whenever mm -hmm. I would go back home, I remember being around my family and being like, oh, this feels like a me that it's very hard to explain to other people. Um, so I think I was trying to explain like, yeah, I think, you know, and some of the comments that, should I share yeah. that? Yeah. So yeah, I used to work at um, Dutch Bros and one of my coworkers actually asked, like, do you have your papers or do you have, do you have legal papers to be here? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, are you? And then one of them, I think one of them literally asked like, yeah, so how did you cross the border? Like, how did, how did that, was the fence up then? And like, she was just like insinuating, like if I, you know, if I came here illegally and my black friend was actually like, oh my gosh, you can't say that. <laughs> and she was like, wait, why? Like, why can't I say that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like people think that I'm, like an illegal immigrant like that's like the mm. the bias I remember just experiencing the pain of that and yeah feeling really hurt I think but I think for so long I've learned to kind of like brush that stuff off um without really addressing it I yeah. think why is that painful you think I mean I think it's obvious yeah. but for anybody who maybe doesn't understand or they can't really relate to why that's a big deal like why is that painful being in that position and having someone ask you that um yeah it feels a little bit like demeaning it's um an attached I think it's an attached bias that, you know, all Mexicans that live in the States are illegal or we work in a farm or stuff like that. And there are Mexicans that do that and that's okay. And, you know, they have their own story, but to assume that every Mexican that you meet, you know, is an illegal immigrant or that's, yeah, it's painful to hear, you know, like, cause that's not the case. And especially me being white Mexican also. 
um, that's also interesting to have to explain that to people. And I would get that a lot, kind of like Mean Girls, like, but why are, are you, you white? white? <laughs> yeah, I get that question. Oh my I, God, Karen, you can't just ask someone why they're white. <laughs> yeah, you can't just ask people why they're white. Um, yeah, I get asked that a lot. Like, why are you white? And I think the bias is if you're Mexican, you know, you're dark, dark skin, short, you don't know any English, or sometimes you're uneducated. And that's like, oh, dang, that sucks yeah. that that's like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's been a while since I've experienced something racist, personally. Yeah. I don't know if I just don't see it anymore, if it just doesn't happen to me or whatever. I remember, because I, you know, I grew up in Guam and whatever, in different upbringing, but I imagine the experience of someone asking you about your papers or how you got in the country or something, yeah. all of a sudden makes you self-conscious and realizing they're not perceiving you as an individual. They're totally. actually roping you into a whole different, like, subcategory of a whole different like idea and people group that's separate from them. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you don't feel like this is a conversation or a connection we get to just playfully engage with. All of a sudden you're being assessed by something that you have no control over. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with who you are in terms of your personality and individual uniqueness, yeah. but having to do with, you know, judgments and prejudices that you can't change and aren't part of your individual identity, right? And totally. I think that is probably for me why that comes across so painful you know just yeah. all of a sudden you're like whoa i'm not a human to you anymore i've yeah, become something I fight, like you know? against this idea already. yeah totally yeah. interesting yeah uh, i know you mentioned other things about like i think one thing you could maybe want to share about is like you know when people say when they think of mexico they think mexican 100 percent all the way everywhere right yeah and you're like that's not true do you yeah. want to chime in on that yeah so um yeah, Mexico or being Mexican is not, um, you know, an ethnicity. Ethnicity is Hispanic and Latino. Um, we have like a very similar like history, like the United States. Like we have European Mexicans, we have Black Mexicans, we have Chinese, Japanese Mexicans. So when people think Mexico, I think they think like Native Mexicans, like mm. similar to Na Native Americans. Yeah. And so when you meet a Mexican, it's it's just helpful for people, I think, to to recognize that, like, oh, we're just a melting pot like the United States. You know, it's not, we're not assigned to that people group. Although in southern Mexico, a lot people are darker, and in northern Mexico, people are lighter skin. But it's just because of where you came from, just the way the United States is. So a lot of northern Mexico, where I'm from, it's predominantly European Mexican. I'm German Mexican, or we have people from Spain, Spanish Mexican. So... Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's helpful for people to know. A lot totally. of people don't know that. Yeah. So I think also coming to the states, I that was something that I felt like I had to kind of like teach people on a lot. Is like, oh, okay, and I would have to try to like teach them like a history lesson real quick. And a lot of them, you know, I don't think they try to come off racist or biased, but a lot of them didn't know. You know, their only experience is like Cancun, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's not Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay, so while we're, so Daniela in the story, Daniela and I have come back, we've apprised the group, she's shared some of her experiences, she's in tears, just like sharing this. I think a lot of it was like fresh and painful because totally. she hadn't really talked about this, especially yeah. with this group of people, you know, she hadn't really had a chance to get to explain this and be known by us in that space or whatever. So it was cool to get to like cross that bridge together and have mm -hmm. that experience. But at some point she was like processing through just like, how do you address this? And yeah. you know, like she was like saying, hey, yeah, yeah. informally, like, yeah, you can't say that. Right. Oh, I was mentioning the story about the illegal, or do you have your papers, or how do you, oh, how yeah. are you illegal in this country? I remember I said out loud, I was like, yeah, like, you can't say that. You can't say yeah. that to people. And so she, when she was finished with her thought, I chimed in, I was like, yeah, I just want to say something real quick on that, because I'm, I, I have a value for trying to supp supply 
structure and like protocol within the culture that we've created here at NUMA, I wanted to just give some people some building blocks to work with in having conversations about race because NUMA is predominantly a white group. You know what I mean? Like yeah. most of the people on our team are white. I'm half Japanese, I'm half American, Mika's half Jap half white, I guess, yeah. Mika's half yeah. Carly's half Japanese or quarter Japanese? I think she's a quarter. She's half, she's half. half. Marcus is full of Chinese, Becca's black, you're Mexican. You know, Sarah, Mexican. Yeah, anyway, um, Ruby's Mexican. Yeah, so, but most of them are white. And so, like, this conversation in some ways could be new for a lot of them. And regardless, like, I just wanted to try and put some construct here for people to work with on how to have these conversations for them to be empowered. Are you getting bring out? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to move? No, I'm good. Um, and so, anyway, I chimed in. I was like, hey, Daniela, for the record, they can say that. Yeah. And she was like, hmm? She was kind of confused and, like, betrayed or whatever. I'm, like, still crying. I'm like... What? What? <laughs> okay. Um, and so I just wanted to address like this whole idea of freedom of speech. Like yeah. in this conversation where we start looking at um, trying to work out how do we have relationship and how do we uh, constructively and like respectfully have dialogue about mm. race and culture with people who are different than us, right? we end up imposing, or I've noticed there's been a trend in our country where we want to impose this idea that there are rules that you do have to follow and rules you can't break and whatever else. Yeah. And um, while I understand the desire for clarity and like expectations and whatever, um, I've noticed there's also this weird practice where we're, we're trying to impose or limit or take away from people's freedoms and their ability to participate in this that does not lead to results we want. It doesn't lead to actual unity or reconciliation. It leads to performance-based behavior and people just totally. like cleaning up how they're acting versus how they actually consider or think about or relate to people groups or other people, whatever, right? And so I was like, hey, you guys, just for the record, Daniela, they can say that. If yeah. someone is racist and they want to make a racial remark against you, they're allowed to do that. They can, yeah. right? They, you can't take their voice away. You don't get to tell them what they're allowed to think or what they're allowed to say. You can express, hey, that sucks. I hate when you say that. I don't appreciate that. That makes me feel so well. You get to represent yourself, right? But to tell them what they can or can't say is actually against our constitutional rights, right? Yeah. And that was like kind of a, a jarring little moment for some of us because people weren't thinking about this. I think the big narrative going on in the media today is, hey, there are things you're allowed to say and there are values and opinions you're allowed to have. And then if you have things that are contrary to that, totally. you're a demon. You're evil, you're an oppressor, yeah. you're a bigot, you're a misogynist, you're whatever the labels are, and these identity politics just get, get slung around people. And here's the thing, I'm not interested in having a political stance here, sure. and maybe I'm already there, but I did want to inf like take a stand for all of us and say, hey, I want everyone in this space to be allowed to say whatever they mm -hmm. wanna say. And then if there's stuff coming up that isn't fun, that people don't like, we get to have dialogue, and they get to experience a backlash from their community on how that attitude or behavior is experienced, but we're not going to take away their freedom to think, believe, or say what they feel. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because that's, that's important. Like we all need the permission right. to be able to embrace those things to whatever degree we actually feel and believe them and represent them because we will never actually be able to change them without ownership mm -hmm. over that stuff, right? And so I know that there's mess and there's and people can be disrespectful and whatever, but the majority of us are not trying to be racist or disrespectful or whatever ignorant that's just all they know and the only way to help change that is for them to genuinely represent what they actually feel we've noticed a lot of people being silent in this conversation totally. right because they, they don't know what to say right 
because they're not they're, they don't know if what they say is going to be understood they're, they're going to be yeah. heard they're just going to be punished and labeled and blacklisted or whatever you know yeah. and that is not constructive for any of us moving forward if we actually want to reconcile any people group to any other people group yeah. there needs to be space for there to be conversation for there for people to seek understanding for people to not be judged or punished or accused for not knowing any better in any kind this is not new to the I mean, to our space, we talk about this all the time. We mostly were addressing these dynamics when it came to the younger generation relating to the older one, right? When we talk about confrontation and discerning yeah. the spirit realm, we run into a lot of older, or sorry, younger people not knowing how to relate to the older generation and vice versa. I've had a lot of yeah. women with like <laughs> adult daughters come to me and say, what do I do about this? How do I relate to my daughter here? How do I get her to see this? I get that a lot and I'm like, wow. And I'm basically talking about the same structure and dynamics here that we're talking about in the race conversation. Wow. It's not unique to any one issue. It's across the board, right? So I want you to be able to chime in. Like, how did that hit you? What were your thoughts initially when, you know, I'm like kind of putting that forward? Yeah, I think it was a little bit jarring at first. I was <laughs> like, wait, what? Like, how, how is that? Because I think, you know, I think I've, I've wanted to tell people kind of like my black friend at Tetra was like, oh, you can't say stuff like that. or, And I think what he was trying to say is like that hey like that's a bias there um but when you said that i was like man that actually does make sense because it's not i mean if we talk about like the spirit realm it's better for you to confess right any mm -hmm. anything there if you are racist if you are if you have a bias for you to be able to confess and bring it into the light mm -hmm. and i think before i thought it was okay kind of like to slap that and be like no go back you know mm -hmm. But now after that conversation, I was like, no, I think it actually, it's even biblical to like, you know, bring it into the light and like help them understand and, mm. you know, point them to resources that they can find and not be mean and aggressive, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because I think it, with anyone, if they were trying to confess something to me or that they wouldn't know, I wouldn't just slap them away. I think I would want to lean in and educate and help them, I think. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the bigger bigger picture, longer term vision of this is if someone genuinely in their heart actually is racist yeah. and they actually believe that they're better than someone else because of their skin color or their heritage or whatever, we would like for them to actually be able to represent that. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't want to scare those people into hiding and then they just harbor this hatred totally. and racism and they totally. learn how to hide it and be masterful in their pretending. That's not constructive or helpful. No. That's not an actual solution. You might feel better in the short term just because they're not saying negative things about you. But they're still thinking But if it's it. in their heart, yeah, yeah that's a problem. Totally. We gotta actually get to the root of this. So everyone needs permission to get to think and feel whatever is there. Mm. And we get to work out as a society, as a family, as a community, how, what do we wanna do with this? You know what I mean? And we get to like discuss and work out that relational dynamic from a place of mutual respect and value or become aware that it's not there, that that respect yeah. and value isn't there. And then that gets to inform how we want to go about doing relationships yeah. together, right? But regardless, we want the real deal, right? So anyway, later after, so this, we weren't expecting this to happen, <laughs> but it just kind of like popped, you know? And I think at this point we're grateful, you know what I mean? I think yeah. I was really proud of how that got handled and I was yeah. really grateful that we got to address it and I was glad to not feel crazy anymore, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, it felt closer too. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. It definitely took us to a new dimension of relational, of like intimacy, I think. And talking like, about new things that we've never really talked about. Right. And so on Sunday, so like the, literally the next day, we had our whole team get together yeah. to just have a group. I mean, this is something we're doing every week. And it was our first one. And it wasn't supposed to be a political or racial, you know, topic or whatever. But um, I did end up facilitating a conversation, opening it up and letting people get to discuss like, hey, 
What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? How are you experiencing what's happening in our country and the dialogue and the rhetoric and the politics and the emotions and the spiritual atmosphere and the black community and what's going on there? And we just gave permission for people to share stuff. And so Daniela shared, you know, the thing about her name and she was also again emotional and crying and because I think it, it wasn't just because it was new, I think that was part of it, but also new to the group of people you already have all this history yeah. with as a part of you they didn't get to know before, right? Totally. Yeah, I think I, I, I was telling them that I think some of his stuff that I have experienced, the only person that I really processed um, it with was with Micah. Your you know, husband. My husband, yeah. yeah. I was like, A hey, white dude. A white, yeah. <laughs> a white dude. And that's another story when it's off, I think. But yeah, there's, I mean, and it was sometimes a little bit difficult to process stuff, but I realized I was like, man, I don't think my friends know this about me or know this pain that I actually do feel. And mm -hmm. The only person that I challenge beliefs with is my husband. And I'm like, oh, I think I'd like to do that with my community. So it's kind of like a coming out yeah. party. Totally. And it's I vulnerable and scary. Yeah, to be yeah. known there. And like, you guys, I feel this. I think this. This affects yeah. me like this. And and I think there is also the temptation of like being afraid of, um, I don't know, them being afraid of me or like, oh, or just like walking around eggshells around me. Like that's something that I didn't want. Mm. So even when people would express a bias, I would educate them or whatever. And I try to make sure that they would feel, you know, loved or taken care of. But yeah, I think a, a big part of that was like, oh, I don't want them to start treating me like differently or like I have all this frustration and anger and like yeah, they have all these to... barbed wires around yeah, you. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. Yeah, and it was interesting because while Daniela was expressing this, another Mexican in the room yeah. started crying yeah. because she was identifying with the same experience in different ways. But this whole like, yeah, I changed my name because yeah. people thought it was yeah, being extra. Yeah, her name isn't Ruby; it's Ruby, right. and it's always been Ruby. And her, like her whole family, I know her as Ruby, and everyone in it's Ruby. You yeah. Know? Yeah, Ruby is actually the producer of my podcast. <laughs> She's not here today because she had to go to work, but. Um, yeah, she also just started feeling this stuff, and she got yeah. to chime in and express that. And I think also it was vulnerable for her. I don't put words in her mouth. She's not here to represent herself. Totally. But I think it was a lot of similar stuff. She's like, oh, my God, this is new. I've not really expressed this to this group of people. I've not had to be this vulnerable in this space. But, you know, she jumped on the bandwagon. It was beautiful. And then Marcus as well, yeah. straight-up Chinese dude, also in tears just coming to terms with this pain he's felt uh. for all this time and never actually expressed and never expected this group of people to care about or recognize or understand or whatever. And, so I think there was, a, and it, we didn't finish, we didn't resolve, yeah. it definitely, we had to cut it off just for the sake of time, but I think it was a beautiful step in the right direction of us getting to work this out as a community, having this conversation about race and difference in cultures and upbringing and background and yeah. understanding and whatever, and fascinating. Um, and then we've got this whole issue of reconciliation in this country, we've got all this past hurt, pain and injustice and you know re residuals of still, like dysfunction and racism still participating in our experience. The work of this is like, we gotta have relationships with these people. Yeah. Policy, politicians, a single individual is not gonna fix this. It's gonna be the people standing up and saying mm -hmm. like, hey, that hurts. Hey, that's a problem. Hey, this has to happen. Hey, I see you, I care about this. Yeah. Like us engaging in this dialogue and choosing to cast our lot with these people, you know? Mm. Um, and so I think the work that we're doing together yeah. is beautiful and it's important new. and it's new, it's yeah. fresh and so, as tumultuous and painful as the last few weeks have been in light of George Floyd's death and all the stuff that's, that's come up since then, there's a lot of beauty also that's coming from the chaos and the pain and the frustration. And I love that we're getting to sort through this and face it and talk yeah. about it and it not be taboo or scary or, and you know. And having these conversations. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's beautiful to see and also surprising, like, how much of that pain is just, like, coming up for the ethnic parts of our team, you yeah. know, and them getting to, like, touch it and represent that and be met there and... 
and seeing the white folk, you know, <laughs> responding and just wanting to meet rise to the occasion and meet yeah. them there as well as well. And and then and the white people not having to be super guilty or totally. you know, like apologize for things they didn't do or didn't understand. Like I love that we're not shaming the white folk on Numa either. And we're not like just yeah. blasting them with, Oh, you're just blind by your white privilege and your white guilt and I'm not saying those things don't have legitimacy, but there's a lot of shame totally. and like accusation that makes a lot of the white people not want to participate. It makes them not want to. Kind of like that slap that you're. Yeah, totally. And yeah. I'm like, I don't want that to be part of that either. I don't care if they're a majority. We don't treat them that way. That's not how this is going to work, you know. Yeah. And so we've got some work ahead of us to get to continue to navigate and sort. But the goal here is we want to discern the spirit of this. Where is this coming from, and how do we get where we're going? Wow, yeah. Is love going to lead us, or is it going to be something else? Or do shame. we have the answer for this, or is the Lord going to be the yeah. one that we're going to respond to, right? And how we go about reconciling and caring for a brother or sister, taking up the cause of the oppressed. Is it? Are we going to force people to stop oppressing other people? Are we going to oppress in our own way, or are we going to actually follow love and truth in how we mm. intelligently navigate reconciling? Yes. You know what I mean? Um, any closing thoughts on any of what we're discussing here that you want to throw in before we wrap this up? We've got to land this thing. We're running out of time. Yeah. No, I think I think that was really well put. I think, um, yeah, I think that everything that you said was really good towards the end. Yeah. Any advice for um, people out there? I mean, maybe specifically are there our American community when it comes to relating to Hispanics or Latinos, Latinas. Oh, yeah. Any advice for them on just like, hey, just so you know, these are just some things to be aware of, not requirements or... Yeah. You know, controls on your life, but just things you could know that they might not have told you, but would be helpful for you to understand totally. the context. Yeah, I think the biggest piece is recognizing that being Mexican, um, you know, isn't an ethnicity, it's a nationality. So kind of like broadening your horizons in that way and considering it and realizing like, oh, do you have a bias there? You know, and mm -hmm. there's there's lots of people, um, Mexican actresses that are like expanding in Hollywood that like represent this a lot. They're white Mexican and they get to share and on their platform, but just, I think, researching, um, understanding what that looks like, you know? Um, not every Mexican that you meet is an illegal immigrant, or <laughs> they're not all here illegally, so I would make sure to be paying attention to those kind of things. Um, yeah, I think I, can I share a little bit about the tone of voice? Yeah. Or, oh yeah. I have noticed that whenever my friends, or some people when they try to speak Spanish, they talk like they're cholo, or like chola, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like with your mouth? That's so interesting. Can you give us an example? If people who don't know what cholo means, what does that sound yeah, like? Yeah, they're like, ¿Qué onda ese? ¿Cómo estás? And it's like this, like very. And I remember, I when coming to BSSM, I would tell people I'm from Mexico, and they're like, "That's right, girl. Yeah, you're from." And I'm like, "Oh, uh, what? That's <laughs> first of all, I'm like super fresa, which is like uh, Mexicans will get that, but I'm like, that doesn't." That's, yeah, that's not. Like, basically, not a thing. saying like all Mexicans are yeah. like or of a certain gangsters like, oh, okay, or, yeah. or part of, I remember people wondering like, my family is, you know, we're a little bit above middle class and they assume like, oh, are you. Are, are they involved in the cartel? And I'm like, what? <laughs> so yeah, if you if you have money, you're not from the cartel. <laughs> um, if you're dark skin, you're not cholo. Like just things yeah. like that mm. that I think. Yeah, good to know. People can put totally. on Mexicans. Yeah. Helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Nice. Okay, we gotta land this thing. Um, also, just FYI, you guys, we've got our symposium coming up. So that's the Numa Symposium. Exciting. Our super fun once a year like annual family reunion. Um, we want to gather the people who are jumping in this conversation of being spiritually intelligent, of being discerning in how we go about anything in our lives, whether it's 
having racial conversations, leading a community, being a pastor, running a business, being a teacher, whatever. Like there is spiritual intelligence and discernment that's necessary to follow the Lord and rightly discern what's happening in those spaces. We want to have those conversations. We want to equip people and train them in this stuff. And I'm super passionate about that. And I know Daniela is as well. And so this event is specifically designed to equip you. There's going to be teaching and, you know, the training on this stuff. We're going to continue to build on things. And also just, I know I mentioned this last episode, but the first session of symposium this year is going to be free and open to the public. And I'm going to preach the gospel. So we want you guys to be able to invite your friends, people who've never heard the gospel before, people who wouldn't necessarily, you know, come into church. I'm going to talk like a normal person. I'm not going to preach like a Christian. I'm going to talk to people like a normal person you know what I mean and we're going to talk about Jesus and the finished work of the cross and his blood and the grace and redemption that absolutely transforms your life and we want people to get access to that and to be able to be part of it so please join us for that at the very least it's free and open to anyone so you can get more information on that at mikemyashiro.com go to events look up symposium if any questions you can send it to us at contact at mikemyashiro.com thanks for joining us guys see you next time thanks Mike yeah (laughs) Also, um, if you could give us a like, if you could throw a comment on here, if you could subscribe to the podcast, that'd be great. We'd love your reviews. Your five-star reviews are super helpful. Um, Thanks for listening, you guys. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.